As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you everyone for your continued support. Thank you to another reviewer of the week, which is Gwyn Artkop. She says, this podcast helped me feel positive, informed, and empowered about my pregnancy and birth decisions. I didn't realize I had so many options to help influence and shape my experience to align with what I felt I wanted, needed, and believed in. Furthermore, this podcast helped me trust myself, even though I am a first-time mom. Since listening to Courtney and Stephanie's podcast, I changed care providers and created a birth map to help communicate my birth preferences for my ideal birth, but also my preferences for other possible outcomes so that my birth team knows what I want each step of the way for me and my baby. I feel prepared and confident now for the big day. I know what to expect, what my options are, and I have some practical knowledge under my belt for handling labor and delivery. Courtney and Stephanie, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. I feel like this is just a beautiful review that really describes everything that Courtney and I work so hard to achieve with the podcast, with our Instagram, with the birth course. That's exactly what it should do. It should empower you, um, give you confidence, and help you to make those decisions that make this your best experience. Yeah, Gwen really got the message. You actually have a lot more control then you realize, and even if you find yourself in an unexpected scenario, you still have choices. And I love that she created sort of contingency plans Mm -hmm. for a couple different scenarios and gave those to her provider. So well done, Gwen. All right. So when I used to teach in-person classes towards the end of the course, I would get the couples together and I'd put them through a labor rehearsal, right? Where they're working together through mock contractions and trying different positions. And I would play the role of irritating provider. (laughs) And I would change up my 
accents because Steph and I both love doing that, right? <laughs> and, you know, so here they are. Her arms are draped around his neck and they're kind of swaying. And I would come up and I would do something like tap the guy on the shoulder and be like, um, excuse me, sir, you left your car lights on and you're going to need to go and do that. Otherwise, your battery's going to run out. And I would come up with all these different scenarios, um, some of them kind of fun and lighthearted like that one and others more serious because I would want them to know, how are you going to respond? And it's so funny because I would do several rounds going through the whole room. And the first time I would come around, um, these guys would have like a deer in headlights look. Even (laughs) though we'd spent weeks together talking about all the things, it's one thing to know something. It's another to put it into practice. Absolutely. And so I loved watching them at first be like, uh... And I would tell them, I'd try to give them hints, right? Like, well, you can't leave her. (laughs) She's having hard contractions. You can't leave her. What are you going to do? And eventually they'd come around to, hey, thank you for your concern. I'm not worried about my car. I'm not worried about the battery running out. I'll have somebody give me a jump after we've had our baby, Mm. right? But that wasn't the initial reaction. There was like that panic. Um, And I loved how after several rounds, I would come at them with something from left field and they would have a confident, amazing response. And I feel like this is important for everybody to practice. It's kind of like when you were a teenager and your parents would be like, hey, you're going to encounter some situations where you could maybe make some wrong choices. Let's decide now ahead of time what you're going to say to get yourself out of bad situation, right? It's the same way with birth. And so today, Stephanie and I really want to give you guys a sampling of scenarios and give you time to pause and kind of go, would I have an immediate response to this? Would I know what I would want to say? And the more important question is, would your husband or partner know how to respond to that situation? Okay, we're going to go through a couple scenarios, a few for pregnancy and a few for birth. One of the things that we got to talking about as we were discussing this, and we want to stay really relevant to what's going on for you moms today, um, is especially because of COVID, we're seeing that dads are not being allowed in to the appointments, just the basic prenatal appointments with mom. And no, it's maybe not that big of a deal technically, but it gives a provider more of an opportunity to be a little more swaying um, and for for moms to not have somebody to kind of look at um, and bounce things off of. Get some confidence Right, exactly. So, and, and one of those things that we see up and down that moms are dealing with right now is induction. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem to matter how many times we have shouted this from the rooftops that induction is unless there is an emergency or a medical reason for it, it is, it's kind of like a last stop. It's not something that we want to see willy nilly. Um, our bodies and babies are very smart and there are things that need to happen before a body goes into labor. It's not always a good idea to mechanically induce things or to get things going without a cause. Um, and so induction, and this is where it's a little tricky too, because especially with providers we're seeing right now that might seem very supportive during prenatal appointments, the closer moms are getting to that due date, the more we are seeing it recommended and suggested in kind of a more stern tone. Um, and with the excuse being, well, it's for the safety of mother and baby because of COVID. Yeah. So keep in mind that when we talk induction, this is not something new, particularly with uh, hospital providers, if we're being quite frank about that. Um, the thing is, there always seems to be a reason for induction. And 
They're it, not always valid. They're no, not often valid. I, and right, we would say it's more of a convenience thing, which is unfortunate, but it's a reality. And so it's fair that you know. Absolutely. I mean, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, of the provider, wouldn't it be easier to know exactly when all your patients <laughs> are going to have their baby? I got a text from a friend of a friend um, this week, and she was asking, hey, is it safe for her at 38 weeks to do the following natural ways to kind of get labor started. And I said, well, yeah, technically she's full term, but what's the reason? Well, she doesn't want to be induced. Oh, I asked, is she Hmm. being induced for a medical reason? Well, no, her doctor is really trying to push her into an induction um, due to COVID. And I said, oh my gosh, she has COVID? Well, no, she doesn't have COVID, (laughs) but the doctor is really pushing her into it saying, well, if you show up at the hospital, we have to leave you in triage until we get the results from your COVID test. And if you're in hard labor, you won't want to be in triage, you know, but Hey, if you schedule this induction, we can do your COVID test, you know, the day before, get your results and you won't have to wait in triage. And I was really frustrated by that because to me, that's just that's just another sneaky way of trying to prey on the fears of, you know, this whole thing, this whole COVID thing. And it, it, like Stephanie said, it's just another, in my opinion, not really valid excuse for induction. Okay. So number one, we need to tell you, if you haven't heard us say it a million times before, you have to vet your provider and you have to ask these questions. You have to be very specific because it might look like they are uh, very supportive and comforting and all of these things in all these other areas. But when you ask a question like, when do you induce or what would you force me into an induction before 40 weeks? Or would you recommend induction before 40 weeks? 41 How often weeks? do you recommend How induction? Often? Right. And if, if here's, I mean, they can get a little tricky, right? Because they can say, oh, not unless there's a medical reason, right? And then you get to 38 weeks. I wonder and if all you could sudden, ask them though and be like, um, do you feel that just COVID, whether I have it or not, is yes. a good reason right. to recommend induction? I'd be curious to know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that, and that's perfect. So, but what we want to get you in your heads is we want to get you in the right space in your mind so that you can say the right things for how you're feeling inside when, or if this situation comes up and different moms are going to feel differently about how they would handle this. So you have to think of how you're comfortable, but we want to give you some options, right? So We've now kind of set up how this is going to go, right? I told you about the game I would play with my birthing students. We're now going to play that game. (laughs) And so your first question, and I want you to try and what's your immediate response? We've given you a lot of time now to think about this whole COVID induction thing. So we're not going to give you as much prep time on these next questions we're going to ask. But for the COVID one, um, pretend you're at your prenatal appointment and I'm your doctor, right? Or your provider. And I come up and I say, Hey, you know what? Um, I really think, you know, you're 38 weeks, you and baby are healthy. You're past full term. I really think we should schedule you for an induction. You know, with all these COVID hospital procedures, it's just going to be way less stressful for you and the baby. Plus you may end up hanging out in triage, you know, dealing with intense contractions, um, for a long time if you don't schedule an induction. So can we schedule that for you? What's your answer? Okay, so we're going to give you like 10 seconds literally of a pause here, and I want you to think of what you're going to say, and then we're going to give you some options. All right, you have your answer in mind? 
keep in mind, your answer doesn't have to be a statement. It doesn't have to even be a yes or no. You can ask more questions um, if they're going to provide clarifying information. Oh, what do you mean COVID hospital procedures? How would that interfere with my birth? You know, you can ask what the benefits and the risks are, but Stephanie, if you were a mom in that position, what would your response be for you personally? And everybody's is going to look different, but what would you be comfortable saying? My gut would tell me to tell her that I would think about it and I'd like to take that home and discuss it with my husband and come back to her. That gives me some time to put space between me and that decision. It also gives me time to bring somebody else in and have that discussion. And then I get very anxious around providers, um, Mm -hmm. especially when they're talking in such a way that feels very authoritative and they're directing a conversation um, and using words like because of safety. And Mm -hmm. so I, if I'm being honest, even though I have all this information, I know all these things, I'm going to want to put some space between myself and that provider, that question, that timing, and then I'll come back to it. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. That's always a great answer, I think, is to buy some time. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a true medical emergency, we've said this time and again, they're not going to give you the, the gift of time right? They're going to say, I'm sorry, this is like life or death for your baby. We've got to get you over to the OR now. Mm. Um, It's not an emergency if you can take time to think about it. Right. And I think too, then you can come back to that next appointment or that next phone call, whatever that looks like. And then you can have a list of questions ready, like Courtney talked about. Well, like you said, myself and my baby are healthy. So what's the medical reason for doing this? Oh, snap. COVID's not a medical reason. COVID is not evidence-based. And so I would absolutely ask for something in writing um, and or studies that show that what they're recommending is the safest for myself and my baby. All right, here's another one that if you guys have been following us, you've heard us say it a million times before, but moving your due date particularly in the third trimester, uh, I would say latter end, mid to latter end of the third trimester, moving a due date closer. Now, anytime we move a due date, it should never be in the third trimester, okay? No. We start... But come on, be the provider. Oh, okay. I want to be the pregnant lady. Let's okay, sorry, her. sorry. So here we go. <laughs> All right, Miss Courtney. Yeah. I'm your provider. Hi. Hi. So nice to see you again. Thanks. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we did the fundal height check today. We've mm-hmm. kind of looked over some recent ultrasounds. It looks like baby's measuring on the larger side. Oh, okay. Um, and so I have a feeling that I think what is best for you and baby is to move your due date a little bit closer. So instead of the 21st, we're going to put it at the 10th. <laughs> dun, right. dun, 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 dun. Here's what we do know. We do know that adjusting a due date anytime after that first trimester ultrasound is not evidence-based. 
And in fact, it can get you into some trouble. If your due date is supposed to be the end of September and your provider is wanting to move it to mid-September, then as soon as you hit mid-September, according to that new date, you are overdue, even though really you were supposed to be able to go towards the end of October. And this is according to your provider, not really past due. Okay, so now that you have the knowledge, formulate that response. Okay, so Miss Courtney, I'm your provider and I asked you that question, what is your response? Dr. So-and-so, my understanding is that moving my due date after a first trimester ultrasound um, is an evidence base and can actually make it so that you might think I'm overdue when had we stuck with the previous date, I would still have days left in my pregnancy. Courtney, see how the different, like, Courtney is a little more blunt. She's like, uh, actually, fact check, boom, you're wrong. Okay? So it really depends on you. You might not be comfortable saying that, but that's okay. And so it's okay for you to ask, um, again, questions instead that help to clarify. Well, what does that mean then if we move my date forward? Or, sorry, we move my date to being sooner and I end up going past that, then what? You know, let them explain that. You don't have to be bold. You can just ask questions that kind of put them on the spot. Yeah. I know it's bold and a little snarky, but sometimes I sort of play stupid on purpose like I did with that response. (laughs) Like, oh, Dr. So-and-so, but I thought this was the case. Am I wrong? You know, (laughs) like whatever. You're going to throw your own flair into it. Right, exactly. And, And the thing is, if you've got a good provider, then the response should be appropriate to how you're feeling. And if not, then it's a red flag to like, oh, well, maybe. Maybe it's time to look around again. Right. And honestly, with all these responses, even if they're being um, kind of condescending or even authoritative, like Stephanie has said, hopefully you're not with that kind of provider. Mm. Hopefully you're with somebody very supportive. Um, it doesn't always do good to match their not nice tone with another <laughs> nice, not nice tone. Um, I think it's always important to be respectful, but you can still be bold and be respectful. Right. Totally agree. Okay, so this is always a fun one. We're going to hit you with some birth scenarios here, and I want you to think about your response. And this is where I feel like it becomes critical for your partner, your husband, to know how to respond. Mm Because you're going to be off doing your thing with contractions in the zone, and so they're probably going to be the one that might need to respond. So let's say that you and your partner, you're working through some, oh, some so intense contractions, right? You are in the zone. You're definitely in active labor, and you're well meaning nurse um, says to your birth partner, hey, um, we need to get her moved to the bed. We need to get her hooked up to the monitors so we can see what's going on with her contractions and with baby. What's his response? All right, so Stephanie, you're the birth partner. Hey, come on, let's get her into the bed. Well... I'm a big burly guy. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. No, I think I think the appropriate response is she's doing really great. Um, let's work through this contraction and we'll talk about getting her into the bed. Um, particularly if she's in a position that's been working for a while. Or you can say something like, you know what? She just started in this position and it's been the most comfortable yet. She's working through them really well. Is there any chance we can just wait for a few contractions and then try that again? 
Yeah. Right. Or you can even say, or is there any way that you could use adopt tone to listen to what baby's heart rate's doing so mm-hmm. that we don't have to move her? She's really comfortable and settled right now. Right. Yeah. All of those are great responses. Okay. This is actually something that I feel like we see fairly commonly, right? I And it's not even just as doulas. I think this is like anytime you're in a hospital situation, right? Um, nurses can come in and without giving a ton of information, say something simple like, Oh, hi, I'm just going to add these meds to your IV real quick. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Would you like to tell me which meds, why, how much, what are the benefits? Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Right? So if that is the case, what would your response be? And Stephanie, I remember you sharing that with your first, right? They came in and they were like, oh, your doctor says you need this without a whole lot of explanation. Right. So imagine that's the scenario that you're hit with. What's your response? So I think my response would be like, oh, what medication is that? Hold on just a second. What medication is that? And let them tell you what it is. And what is that for? And my doctor was the one that ordered this. Is that right? And then you could say something very sweetly. You know, I'd really rather talk that over with my doctor first because that really wasn't part of what I was hoping to do here. Or that really wasn't a part of my birth plan. Yeah, and I think that's great. Um, Sometimes you know that things are coming. Like if you know you're GBS positive and you've agreed to have the antibiotics and they have to do it every four hours, that's different. Yeah, absolutely. But if you've got something coming in that, you know, wasn't ordered or, oh, we're just going to start that Pitocin, you know? Yeah. Wait, what? Sometimes, sometimes though, they don't even say Pitocin. I've been at births as a doula where they've come in and they're like, hey, we're just going to give mom, and they almost whisper it like they don't want to disturb her. We're just going to give her a little something to help birth pick up a little bit for her. A little something to help your birth. But you should immediately go, oh, hold on just a second. What is that? What does it do? And if you're comfortable with it, great. Tell them, okay, sounds good. But if you're not comfortable with that, it's okay for you to request to speak to your provider about that first. And that can be over the phone. That can be in person. But it's okay to have a discussion around it. Again, this would be a situation that's not an emergency. Right. And I think what's crazy about this is we know that all medical providers are told to, it's their responsibility to talk to patients about any medication that they're giving them, Mm -hmm. the benefits and the risks. That is something, I mean, even legally, that is what is supposed to be done. But how often is it really, even with birth control, have you ever been to a visit and they've talked to you about birth control? Are you aware that it can cause blood clots? That there are, like, when have you ever heard that? It's very, very rare that you get a provider that actually does this. And the reason is because then you have to have a conversation about it. Well, and we call this informed consent, right? Absolutely. And I think one of the frustrating things for me as I've kind of become more aware of some of these practices is that it's rare, even when I'm taking my kids to the pediatrician um, or for other procedures, you know, it's rare that they actually give a full mm-hmm. informed consent. A lot of times they sort of gloss over things like you can have blood clots with birth control <laughs> or, you know what I mean? And that's, that's not doing it justice. You need to know all of the benefits, which they're always happy to emphasize, but all of the risks all of the as risks. well. 
um, and in detail like you were talking about in the reality of what they actually could be like a lot of like the common thing is to like kind of brush it off oh like some headaches and this and that right mm-hmm. like that but that's pretty common for most people well okay but and then you skipped like the other five and those were more serious it's fair right. to give give people the whole message we've got one more scenario for you um, and this kind of falls again under the birth category so another great one to pull your partner or husband into to listen to and once again this is a scenario we see all too often as stephanie and i have attended births so okay ready steph yes i'm okay. ready you're the laboring <laughs> mama i'm gonna be your your nurse well I, I don't know that the mom would say much right yeah, that's right okay you're right <laughs> it's a partner thing i'm i'm your nurse i come walking in quickly and very determined like and um, i come over to where you're maybe hooked up to the fetal monitors the one that's picking up baby's heart rate and i kind of Maybe I add some more gel to it. I move it around your belly and I'm staring very intently at the, um, the monitor that shows baby's heart rate. And maybe I'm moving it more and I'm not really saying a whole lot. I'm just staring at that screen, moving the fetal monitor to pick up baby's heart rate. And maybe after a few contractions of doing this, you know, you're still working through your thing. Um, I, maybe I step out, maybe I just pick up my phone and text your provider. And, uh, and then I tell you, um, I've contacted your provider because we're seeing some issues with baby's heartbeat. All right, so what are you going to do in this scenario? What are you going to say? What's your reaction? What's your partner's reaction? Again, we're going to let you pause and think about it for a minute. Okay, so if you are a My Essential Birth student, I would hope the very first thing that goes through your head is, oh, I should probably change positions. <laughs> yep. Okay, nine times out of 10, when I have been at a birth where this is an issue, a change in mom's position will almost always correct that baby's heart rate. Not always, but almost always, and definitely on the side of much more often than not, a change in position will correct a D-cell. Um, babies move all over the place and do all kinds of crazy things. They're going through during birth labor. Too. Yes. It's very important that you realize that. And it's, this is one of the things that happens with more monitoring. And there are studies that talk about this. The more monitoring that is done, the more problems, quotation marks, are, are caught, quotation marks, okay? Because when you have a mom that is not monitored all the time, well, how would you know that you've got those little D cells here and there? Yes, they're monitored regularly, but the more monitoring you have, the more stuff that's not necessarily a problem is caught. So, And there can be a lot of false readings too, again, based off mom moving around. Yep, totally. So if that was somebody coming into me, now as the birth partner, my immediate recommendation without saying much to the nurse would be to the mom, hey, why don't we switch you sides? Or do you want to try standing up and see if that changes anything? Or let's get you on all fours. Right. Um, and maybe the conversation would be directed to the to the nurse that was in the room. You know, um, we we've, we know a little bit about that. Let, can we try a different position? Or let's try mm-hmm. a different position. I wouldn't even say can we. You want to kind of direct the conversation. You can even invite their help too. What mm-hmm. are some, you know, even if you kind of know, right, you want to make them part of your team. And a great way to do that is to help them feel needed and helpful. So um, what do you think about us getting her on hands and knees? Can you help me get her into that position? Yes, exactly. All right. So our podcast time is drawing to a close. We did have other scenarios that we thought of like, um, how are you going to respond if you're 
you're like, your body's just pushing involuntarily, or you find out you're 10 centimeters and you're feeling that pressure and you're told, oh no, 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 don't push. Your doctor's not here yet, right? What's the response gonna be to that? Or what about if they come in and tell you after your little baby's born, oh, they're gonna need to be separated from you until we get your baby's COVID results back. What's your response gonna be then? Or how about failure to progress? How often are we told, you know, it's been 10 hours and you've only gone from a three to a four. I think it's time we start having a different conversation. <laughs> How are you going to respond then? I One of the things I love, and we really took a lot of time and effort to do in our courses, we created an entire lesson on all of these what-ifs, right? All these what-if scenarios. And so obviously within the course, we cover all these different scenarios, all the possible what-ifs and how to respond. But for our members, at least if you are listening this week, get excited because Court is very excited about doing this game. I so am. (laughs) I'm going to pull out all the accents. (laughs) So we will be in that group, Facebook members only live. Doing a live labor rehearsal. It's going to be so fun. With me throwing curveballs your way. So get ready. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.